hear me. So. And I, you know, I feel like I've gotten too old to yell. So I don't yell like I used to. I'm a little quieter than I used to be. A more tangled cord than I used to be. Sorry about that. Can you hear me now? Let's take our Bibles if you will and go to the book of Luke chapter 2. Y'all know what Luke chapter 2 is, don't you? Anybody know? That's the Christmas story. That's exactly right. So this is our last Sunday together before Christmas. And so uh, I'm not going to read the traditional Christmas story today. I'll go a little further down uh, in the book of Luke in, in chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 22. Luke chapter 2 and verse 22. And we'll begin reading there and just see what the Lord takes us, okay? So Luke chapter 2, verse 22, the scripture says, And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is which is said in the law of the word of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves are two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem, whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, <clears throat> that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of, of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, uh, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in, in, she coming in that instant, <clears throat> gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him, and of all, to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Uh, I, I want to tell you, this is one of my new favorite verses, by the way. I just, just caught this. Uh, let's see. She was Anna, the daughter of Benuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. That's my new term. I am of great age. No longer am I old, but I am of great age. So just write that down somewhere to remember that you're no longer old, you're of great age, okay? But I want us to look and, and think about some things just for a minute. And we know the traditional Christmas story that Jesus was born in the manger and, and because there was no room in the inn and he was there because they were going there for the census and the census is nothing more than a, 
uh, you know, they, they, they were there for the taxing, it says, but the taxing was a census. They were counting people where they were born. So Joseph had to go back to there to, uh, to Bethlehem to be counted. He carried his wife, and, and anyway, she had a baby while they were there. You know the story. So we, we know that story of his birth, and uh, a couple of details we'll go through here pretty quickly. If you read in Leviticus, I think it's chapter 12, uh, we find that um, the story of, of what they should do if it's a male child that's born, and actually it's, uh, you know, just laid out in the law. And they, were, they were Jews, and that's what the Jews did. So her time of purification and, and uh, and ladies, I don't know how to, to say this other than just say it. It was totally different for male children than it was for female children if they were, they were born a male or a female. All right, with a male child, the law required seven days uh, of, of purification, and then on the eighth day, the male child was to be circumcised, and then the book of Leviticus says 30 and 3 days later, that, uh, that her purification would be complete. So I, I think that's around 41 days, if I counted it correctly. So in that 41 days, she could touch no hallowed thing, anything that was holy, anything that was clean, anything that was uh, devout, she could not touch any of that, could not enter the sanctuary, couldn't even go near the temple for that 41 days. Now, I don't know what this says, but if it was a female child, had to wait two weeks for purification, and then 66 days after that. So somewhere in the 70s or maybe 80s of days. So I don't know what this is. I just don't want to tell you. All I know is it's different for the male and the female, okay? But we're talking about the male child. So uh, seven days she waited. He was circumcised on the eighth day, and then they brought him to the temple after the 33 days. So when he came to the temple, here's this man, Simeon, who has been waiting there. And they brought Jesus to be dedicated to the Lord because uh, it says it over the book of Leviticus and it says it again here in verse 23, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And a very literal translation is shall be called worthy or needed. There's, there's a whole list of different words that could be put into that, uh, into that place. And, and the whole thought is this, that the males were to be the leaders, they were to be the ones that went into battle, they were to be the head of the household, they were to be the ones that were the providers, they were the protectors, and that whole list goes on and on, okay? So again, I'm not trying to be a 20th century male showing his pig, I'm just telling you how the law was written, okay? And, and that's what the word says, that every male child that opens the womb is holy unto the Lord. And because of that, the law required that that child was brought and was dedicated in the temple. And still today, there are many churches that do baby dedications and so on and so forth, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, there are those who, who get sideways sometimes, and uh, I've seen Baptist churches that do baby dedications. We've actually had some here, and, and you know, I've been accused of being a Catholic and other things for baby dedications, but, you know, it's scriptural, and I don't have a problem with it, Okay. But, but let me tell you, they brought them to be dedicated unto the Lord. And basically what parents were saying is, I will raise this child. I will teach him the ways of the Lord. I will teach him the law of the Lord. I will teach him the word of the Lord. I will introduce him to the Lord. And hopefully when he gets grown, he'll not depart from it. You know, there's a verse of scripture that says, to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from that. And that's a New Testament verse, by the way. 
And, and the fact of it is this, that, that when we train them, I said that, now I'm second guessing myself. Is that New Testament? I think it's Proverbs. I think you're right, Sean. And I noticed that before I got her frame. So <laughs> she usually keeps me straight. Sometimes I'm like, mm, no. So it's in Proverbs. So I'm sorry, I apologize for that. Train your child the way she goes, his old he'll not depart from it. And it all ties back together to that child being holy to the Lord and dedicating him to the Lord. And and you're listen, that's a two-way dedication. One is that you're dedicating them that there be a servant of the Lord, but the responsibility rests with that father to teach those children the ways of the Lord and to teach them the law of the Lord and what the word of the Lord says. Now, we know that we don't live under the law anymore, but we do still live under the principles of the law, do we not? The principles are still there. And we live under the word of the Lord because uh, God has given us that instruction in the New Testament to do that. So anyway, and basically I'm giving you a whole lot of a history lesson. We're going to get down to a very short sermon here just in a few minutes. And I promise you, the introduction following the sermon is short. So he brought for his dedication, and when the dedication time came, they made a sacrifice to the two turtle doves or two young pigeons, either one the scripture says. And then when they when they brought Jesus for this purpose, here's this man singing. Doesn't tell us how old Simeon was, but he was on up there in years probably. But he had been promised that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord. And in his own remarks, he took him up in his arms, he blessed God, and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Remember that verse. My eyes have seen thy salvation. Because that's the most important verse in this entire reading, I think, today. It is to me. But Simeon picks him up. He was promised he wouldn't see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. And so uh, now he's seeing Jesus and he just begins to say, hey, this is the child of God. And how do you know that? Remember something else that told us about Simeon. That there was a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. The same was just. And he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. So he had the very Spirit of God on him, and so God's Spirit communes with his own Spirit. And so Jesus Christ had the Holy Ghost upon him as well. And so the Spirit communed together, and, and Simeon knew, he knew that this is the Son of God. This is the Savior of the world. This is the consolation of Israel. And he begins to tell some things about Jesus as he blessed God. He said, my eyes have seen thy salvation, and, and this child should be a light to lighten the Gentiles. I'm going to tell you something. Every one of us ought to be shouting hallelujah because of that. Because Jesus didn't come just to save the Jews. He came as a light to lighten the Gentiles. And literally it means that salvation has come not only to the Jews, but to the entire world. Remember Simeon started out saying that he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Well, he found the consolation of Israel, but he also found the Savior of the world. He found the one that would uh, redeem the Gentiles, redeem the Jews, redeem all of those who were seeking him. Okay? And then he says that he not only lighted the Gentiles, but he was the glory of thy people Israel. whole lot of stuff going on in the little child. And this is what I'm amazed at. Mary and Joseph both had been visited by angels, right? The angel came to Mary and spoke to her and told her she was chosen. She was going to be the one to deliver her. Uh, God's son went to Joseph and spoke to Joseph and said, Hey, listen, I want to tell you something. Mary is a pure woman. She has not been unfaithful to you. Do not seek to put her away privately because 
the child that she carries is the child of God. That she was conceived of the Holy Spirit. That seed was planted by the Holy Spirit of God. And you are to be the father of that child, the earthly father. So you stay with her. And told them all of these things. And yet when they go to Simeon, uh, did you see their reaction? <clears throat> he blessed them. And where was their reaction? Joseph and Mary, verse 33, marvel at those things which were spoken of him. You think they were still surprised? Mary knew that, that she had not been with a man. She knew that that child was within her since of the Holy Spirit. Joseph believed God, so he believed it. And now it's all confirmed. And, and it's like, wow, this is why this is why God chose me for that task. This is what he had in mind. They knew that he was a special child. They had no idea that you know, he was really going to be the Savior of the world. It just didn't register until then. So I'm going to say this. On that day, Simeon saw the salvation of the Lord. I believe that Mary and Joseph saw the salvation of the Lord. And everybody that saw Jesus that day may or may, or may not recognize it, but they saw the salvation of the Lord. And I want to say this to you today, that unless we see the salvation of the Lord, we will not spend eternity in heaven. Unless we see the salvation of the Lord, we will not spend eternity in that place prepared for us. We'll spend eternity in the place prepared for Satan and his angels. So, you know, I told you we're going to a lot of history lessons in a, in a very short sermon. Uh, Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph, and he said, Behold, this child is, is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel. What does that mean to you? What does it say? Does it say anything to me? Maybe another translation has different words. Anybody have different, different wording? Uh, I'm trying to remember which verse it was. Verse 34. Nobody's going to tell it to you. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Many Jews will fall and many will rise because of this boy. He will be a sign from God that some will not accept. Okay. All right, what does that say to you? Anybody? Share with me. This is interaction time. I got to be careful about that. I noticed, I was watching some, on the videos the other day. Some will accept him and some will reject him. Some will accept him and some will reject him. When I do my hands like that on the video, it gets really blurry. You know, didn't move as fast as I do. So, some blurs in there today. But listen, he is set for the rise and the fall of many, for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. They're going to die to self and rise up alive in Christ. I think he's telling them in a very uh, subtle way, a very direct way, actually. I say subtle, subtle and direct. He's telling them in a very open way that, listen, the law is, is changing. He's not taking the law away. He's fulfilling the law. This is the fulfillment of the law. And people are going to have to accept Christ as their Savior or they have no salvation. He is the one that's come to redeem God's people. He is that consolation that we spoke about just a moment ago. A sign which shall be spoken against. There are going to be those that hate him. Those that rise up and say we've got to crucify him. And it's exactly what they did, did they not? They hated him, they spoke against him, they rallied against him. And even the leaders of the Jewish people who read the law every day knew the Lamb of God was to come but we're not willing to accept Jesus Christ as the Lamb. Uh, let me tell you something. I've, I've noticed this through history. 
Uh, very, very often, those that God chooses to do his work are not those that come from the elite of the elite. Usually, they're not those that come from the richest folks. They're not those that come from, uh, shall we say, the, the right side of the tracks. They're those that are, are the looked down upon sometimes, those that are not the most favored. Uh, can you imagine the rumors that were circulating? Well, well, here's this child, born of a woman who conceived out of wedlock, and and, and the long list of accusations and things, and, and they want us to believe that he's the savior of the world? It tells me two things. Number one, their faith was thin, and number two, the Holy Spirit of God did not dwell in them, because if it did, it would have communed with them, just like it did the city. When they saw Jesus, their spirit would have locked on to Jesus, just like Simeon's spirit did, the Holy Spirit would have, and they would have known that this is the Son of God. The salvation of Israel was demanded. I mean, it had to be because these are God's people and, and here they are just floating around in history somewhere doing nothing with the Word of God. Can I say to you that we are the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We are the spiritual Israel of today. The church is. We are those that are to be carrying the gospel. The, and if, I'm, I'm going to use the term. I don't want you to think I'm trying to roll us back to live under the law. But we're to be carrying the law of God to the world. The word of God to the world. And we're failing and we're falling short. And people are dying all around us and they never see Christ. Guys, they have to see Christ in us or they're not going to see him at all. That's where the, the, the problem lies. And that's where the situation, that's where the my pastor used to say, that's where the rubber meets the road. It's where we're living for Christ and others are seeing Jesus in us. I understand we're not perfect and we're not going to be. I don't want to ever give you the thought that I think I'm perfect because I know that I'm not. I don't want to ever think that I feel like I'm better than anybody else because I know that I'm not and I'm not here as, as valuable as most. But that has absolutely nothing to do with it. And that's the thing I love about serving Jesus. You know what it has to do with is that Jesus Christ died for me. He died for me, and he died to give me salvation. And he died for you, for every single one of us, to bring us that salvation. And that's what Simeon tells us, I have seen thy salvation. And he recognizes that Jesus is the salvation of the world. And then there's another person that enters the picture. There's this, this lady named Anna. And Anna had been a widow for many, many years. And she just stayed in the temple is what she did. She just, <laughs> you ladies will love this. This is going to be my synopsis. She swore off men and just swore to serve the Lord. And she spent her life in the temple. And there she was. And when she saw Jesus, she began to worship him. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years and so on and so forth. And it tells everything about her. And she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. I wonder what she was praying and fasting for. Do you have any idea? Hmm. Doesn't say anything about her having any children. She didn't have a husband. So what's she praying and fasting for? Any thoughts? Others. Others, absolutely. Maybe she's praying and fasting for that same salvation of Israel that Simeon is looking for. And then when she sees Jesus, what does it say about her? And she coming in in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. 
Can you imagine? Here's this Anna. Now she's going to the temple and said, hey, let me tell you something. The redemption of Israel has come. The redemption of Israel is here. The salvation of the world has come. The Savior's here. He's here. And she's beginning to share that message everywhere that she goes. And, and there's two things I want you to notice. And um, we're not going to be very long, but I want you to notice this. There, there are two things we need to do. Number one, we must see God's salvation. I think I've shared that two or three times already this morning. We must see his salvation. Now, physically, I'm going to tell you, physically, I have not seen the literal body of Christ. Spiritually, I have seen the person of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Spiritually, we have to see the Lord. We must see God's salvation. We must see Jesus for who he is. You know, and it is amazing to me what people will tell you. Uh, I've been in Ecuador and asked the questions. I've been in the United States and asked the questions. I've been in the Soviet Union and asked the questions. What do you know about Jesus? Oh, Jesus, I love Jesus. I know who Jesus is. What can you tell me about Jesus? Great man, great man, wonderful man, great prophet, great teacher. Oh, he's everything. But what can you tell me personally about Jesus? Do you know him? Oh, nobody today has seen him. You get those kind of reactions. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is more than just the Son of God. He's more than just the Savior of the world. He's my Savior. It's got to be a personal relationship with Christ. And the whole Christmas season is, is all about that. You know, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, I guess it was, I, I kind of did an introduction to this, I guess, um, that we've commercialized Christmas so much. And, and I, I don't know, I'm not good with statistics and figures and, and you know, doing quizzes and those kind of things and studies. But I'm going to tell you something. If we did a study to find out how many people really know the meaning of Christmas or really practice the true meaning of Christmas or know why we celebrate Christmas, I would say we're down probably less than 25% of people really know what Christmas is all about. Yes. You agree or disagree? It's all about making money. It's all about selling more goods. It's all about giving more gifts. And it's all about getting gifts. And, and hey, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give myself a kick in the seat of the pants and I'm going to speak to all of us as parents. We need to be very careful. It's wonderful that we can provide gifts for our children, but we should never, ever, ever fail to teach them about Christ. The greatest gift of all is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And if we fail to to intertwine that, if we fail to let them recognize that we're celebrating his birthday. I get excited when I when I, I see some of the things and hear some of the things that some of the stories that I hear on Taylor sometimes and other places that I read things about. Uh, you know, some of these kids are like, you know, there, there are others who don't have anything for Christmas and I, I want to, whatever you're going to spend on me for Christmas, give that to another child or spend it on them or share the love of Christ in some fashion. Uh, a few years ago, several years ago, yeah, I guess Samaritan's first started a thing, and, and there are other organizations that do it as well. You can give a goat to a family. Sorry, don't be offended. Uh, you goat lovers. Uh, you know, and I, I used to think, why would somebody give anybody a goat for Christmas? Why would they do that? Don't, don't throw anything at me yet, Kevin. But you know, Kim and Kevin have a pet goat, and that's their pet. And I see the pictures, I think that's Kevin's pet. <laughs> I think Kevin relaxes and the goat says, finally he's home and just like, Bleh. 
It's right up on top of the head. And there he is. Sorry. But but listen, in other parts of the world, these goats are, are survival. But it's not just a goat, it's a milk goat that's given them. That's how the family's gonna get their milk, and that's how they're you know they're gonna they're gonna make their living. They actually can sell the milk. Remember in Ecuador told me one time we were there? I think maybe you were you're at least close to the group I was in. And uh, we're going down the street, and here comes this lady, and she's walking down the street, and, and she's got these containers, and she's leaving two big old goats. I mean, they were tall goats. They were almost as big as a cat. And I thought, what in the world is she leaving those goats through town with those containers for? And she'd stop at somebody's house, milk the goats, sell the milk, move them down the street, and do it again. Now, you talk about delivering fresh milk, buddy. That, you can't do it again. But let me tell you, that's, and, and, and when we give that gift of a goat, sometimes that's what it does. And there are all kinds of different things, you know. And that's just an example. But guys, the, the idea is that we give gifts to celebrate the giving of the greatest gift that God gave to us. We say that, uh, you know, the giving of the gifts is, I'm, I'm going to tell you something, and don't be mad at me, and I don't want to, I'll be careful how I say it. But I want you to know, we celebrate Santa Claus a whole lot more than we celebrate Jesus Christ at Christmas time. And that's sad. And it's wrong. It's wrong. I won't go deep into that. I'll just leave it right there. We need to not forget the reason for the season. I've shared with you before that, that historically, I do believe that Jesus' birth was not in December, was not on December the 25th. I believe it was probably out into the spring, judging by the scriptures and the times of year and the seasons that it described and so on and so forth. But, you know, we won't, we won't have that argument today, okay? All I'm going to tell you is I just think it's awesome that we set aside a day to celebrate his birth, and we need to celebrate his birth. His birth. Let me ask you something. I, I want to I'm going to meddle just a little bit, and many different people do different things. Somebody tell me, what do you do on your children's birthday? Bake them a cake, okay? Buy them a gift, have a party. Invite your friends and family over. And, and listen, when we have that party, can I talk about you, Avery? Will it be all right? Can I talk about you? So let's, let's say that's Avery's birthday. Avery's having a birthday party. And we go over to, to Ken and Kevin's for this birthday cake. They decide they're going to do a cookout. They're going to barbecue a deer. Not a cookout. They're going to do a barbecue. You're going to get a chicken. We're going to barbecue a chicken. I like chicken. That's good. That's good. <laughs> hey, I like interaction, so I asked for it, right? So we're going to go over there. We're going to have barbecue chicken. And, and so we're going to celebrate. And there's one thing that's going to be a common theme through that whole thing. Whether I'm eating chicken, or whether I'm eating the fix and go with chicken, or whether I'm uh, drinking lemonade, or whether I'm singing the song. What's the common theme that's going to go with that whole thing? Avery, it's his birthday. And so everybody that comes is going to say, Happy birthday, Avery. And if we bring a gift, it's going to say, To who? To Avery. That's right. Happy birthday, Avery. This is for you. So, how often during Christmas we're celebrating Jesus' birthday and we say, Happy birthday, Jesus? Do we acknowledge him in that birthday celebration? How often? Oh, listen, I'm. I'm I, I'm guilty as anybody. I like 
the sweets, and I like the dressing, and I love the ham. And I, I want y'all to know I was on pins and needles this week, earlier this week, because I'm like, oh, we thought we were food in plenty of time, and then they called and said, hey, we really got a problem. I said, what's that? They said, we can't get hams. Got plenty of turkeys, we just can't get hams. I want y'all to know Christmas is not turkey day. That's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Hallelujah, I found the hams, right? And that's what I say, Christmas is a ham time. We've got to have ham at Christmas. I, I get into that stuff just as much as anybody in the world does. But you know, with every bite we eat and everything that we do at Christmas time, we must remember that it's not about the food and it's not even about the family being together. That's important. That's awesome. It's wonderful. I'm excited. You know, and very often Charlotte says to me, you know, I just, I just wish that we could once in a while get the whole family together. And, and you know, we try and it's really difficult to do with, with some living here and some living there, different things. Lots of distance between but let me tell you something. Even all of that is not nearly as important that we remember this Jesus Christ's birth that we celebrate. Never, ever, ever should we let our children forget why we celebrate Christmas. Why do we do this gift? Because I love you. Because I want you to know that this represents the greatest gift that God ever gave. And that was his son. You don't have to preach to them. You don't have to uh, spend the whole time preaching. Can I be honest with you? And listen, I, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Even as a pastor, even as a preacher, and Charlotte can tell you this is true, you know, we try to read the Christmas story every Christmas, and it is an awkward moment for me with a family to read the Christmas story, and it should not be. That should be the most comfortable thing that they ever do. We were watching one of those, and I don't know if it's a Hallmark movie or not, but there's a thousand of those going on right there. Some Christmas story the other night, and and, and this man was in there, and, and you know, and, and here all the details are going on. But he opens up the Bible and he begins to read this story that I'm sharing with you today. I told Charles, I gotta find that. I said, I gotta put that right there for you. The Lord began to speak to my heart and share some things with me. And guys, I, I tell you this I believe if we as the church, if we as believers celebrated Jesus' birthday the way we ought to, that maybe more of the world could see the salvation. That God has sent. Maybe they could do that. Someone asked me one time, said, Why are you why are you always so adamant about the church giving food boxes and things? Because I've been on the other end of it, guys. I've been there where we needed it and where it was, you know, it was just such a such an awesome thing. And, and, and I'm telling you, I never forgot it. Never forgot those ladies from Hickory Valley bringing those food boxes or Grand Junction Church bringing those food boxes and, and, and so and bringing us Christmas gifts and things, you know, and, and sharing the love of time. And guys, we need, to, we need to know that it's more than just giving people food. We're giving them the love of Christ, and they need to know that. We need to share that with them. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to close two things. One, we must see God's salvation. And the second is this, in the words of Anna. In the words of Simeon, I say we must see God's salvation. In the words of Anna, I say we must look for God's salvation. Because what does it say about Anna in verse 38? And she coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that did what? Two words it says in the King James, that looked for, they looked for redemption in Jerusalem. They looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She's speaking to all the Israelites, all of, quote unquote, her people. 
They look for redemption in Jerusalem. They're looking for redemption. And I'm going to tell you something, and, and I told you again and again, I'll tell you one more time, and I promise I'll close, and that is this. Everybody is looking for something. We see the addict, and the addict is looking for something. We see those that have relationship issues, and they're looking for something. We see those that have financial issues, and they're looking for something. Now, they're confused. Because one thinks they're looking for that, that, that good feeling again. One thinks they're looking for that, uh, that relationship that makes them feel comfortable and, and secure and satisfied. And, and those are good things, I guess. One is looking for that, that, that big money drop that's going to put me over the edge and, and just keep me right there and get me over the hump and just, you know, set me up and go on and on. I, I thought about this the other day, and I know y'all may uh, think differently, but I thought about this the other day, and I was... Uh, I had to go in, in, in one of the stores and somebody's there and they're like, well, uh, give me one of the 25s, give me one of the 10s, give me one of the 50s. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They're buying lottery tickets, right? And, and I'm like, good grief, man. And, and I stood there and I watched this person spend about $250. And, and a total of about, I'm going to say five minute process and kind of tell them, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that, and then scratching off. Said, man, they ain't won nothing. Throw the trash can and walk away. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for that big, that big money drop that's going to set them up for life. And that's not God's plan. That's not the way He planned it. This is not a sermon about the lottery. We'll have that another time. But uh, God, I'll tell you this. You know, if we spend as much diligence doing what God asks us to do is we do trying to work it out on our own, trying to find that shortcut, if you will, then I promise you, He's going to provide the way. He's going to provide the way. He doesn't ever promise us that, that we're going to be rich, we're going to be wealthy, we're going to have uh, you know, all of the stuff that we want. Oh, I could give you a long list of things that I want, and I'm sure that my wife could give you a long list of things that she wants, and my kids can give you a long list of things that they want. But, but I can tell you this, as far as our needs, we want for nothing because he provides all our needs according to his riches in glory. According to his riches in glory. I was reminded, and I'll close with this story. I was reminded this week about the season because I was in the process of doing my job. I met some people and, and we were having a conversation and they were looking for a home. And, you know, and I, I have this about every week, most of the time, at least once a week. Somebody asks me, do know any places for rent or any places they can find to live that aren't so terribly expensive and yada yada and so on and so forth. And uh, because they, they know I see so many people, they think I would know where all that is. But in conversation with these people, you know, I felt impressed with the Lord to do something. And then uh, uh, I had to call and, and, and talk to Brother Tony because it involved the whole house and so but I told the lady, there was eight of these ladies, and I told them, I said, well, I said, our house is not really set up to accommodate eight people. I said, we only have six beds. I thought we had six in a rollaway, but we, I remember what we had. We only had six beds, and there you go. And this girl looks at me, and she says this, and I didn't know her name, right? First time I ever met her. She looked at me, and she said, oh, brother, let me tell you something. She said, we can sleep on a pallet. And she said, you don't know how comfortable a pallet is 
until you step on the street. Until you search and search for any place to lay down. And look for any place you could lay down and maybe not get kicked around. You don't know. And I thought, you know, God, I take so many things for granted. So many things. So you to think about that this year is, is you know, I, I've got my issues, I've got my problems, I've got my trials, I've got my tribulations. You know, sometimes I have a pity party. And I don't know if y'all find that hard to believe because I'm just a big guy, right? Sometimes I have a pity party and I just get to feeling sorry for myself and, and I get to thinking that, you know, I don't have this, I don't have that, and this doesn't go right, that doesn't go right, don't get to this, no, 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 no. I go through all those little things and then I recognize that, hey, you know, God didn't promise me those things. And I can tell you something else. Most of the time when I have my pity parties, it's because I'm being selfish and I want more than I should have. Right? I want more than what God promised me. So I want you to think about that and just, just kind of recognize that, hey, and this is what I tell myself very often, no matter what's going on in my life, I guarantee you there's somebody somewhere that's experiencing something a whole lot worse. A whole lot worse. A whole lot worse. You know, I was complaining a lot with my feet and my legs and hurting and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I apologize to you guys because I whined a lot about that in sermons and I shouldn't have. I don't mind telling you what's going on. I'm asking you to pray for me, but I don't want to be a whiner. You know, and then I look around and I see what's going on in other people's life, and I think, gee, I thought I had problems. I thought I had issues. Let me tell you, our God supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory. We need to see Jesus. But we need to be looking for him. We need to be looking for him. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. And I promise, I said that three times, I'll close with this. If we're going to be the light to the world, everybody that we need is not looking for Christ. They, they, they probably are, but they don't know what they're looking for. I mean, they're looking for anything to give them peace, anything to give them comfort, anything to give them assurance, anything to give them strength, anything to give them some stability, anything to give them some hope. And they turn to this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And guys, if they can catch a glimpse, just a glimpse of Christ in us, through us, from us, around us, whatever you want to use, whatever term. If they catch just a glimpse, that may be just enough for them to, to recognize there's more. Then they may begin to look. For that more. And if we can share that more with them, then that's what God's called us to do. Then they're looking for Christ. They may not know it, but we're going to have to share that with them. And we're going to have to be Christ unto them until they can see Christ for themselves. I hope that makes sense to you. Guys, I pray, I have two prayers. Number one, that you know. Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Secondly, that we would live for him daily in such a way that those that are seeking something might see something in us that would catch their attention. And I pray that that something is Jesus. That they would see Jesus in us. They would see him. We're going to have our time of invitation.
I think we're going to sing Silent Night. Is that right? So, yeah. we're just, uh, I want you to think this one about what God did. Just feel the.